Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. This is Talking Tourism and I'm today's host, Sam Denmead. Every fortnight, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania brings you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. TICT is the peak body for tourism operators in the beautiful state of Tasmania. Each episode of Talking Tourism will deal with a specific tourism-related topic with tips and advice for improving your tourism business and helping you get ahead in the visitor economy. If you're listening to this outside of Tasmania, welcome. That's fine. We'd love to have you come down and visit, but if you can't and you're a tourism operator, the content of these podcasts are going to be relevant for your tourism business wherever you're based. Today, we're going to be talking about video and creating video content for your tourism business. And I'm talking with the very incredibly talented expert videographer, Rob Harrison. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me, Sam. Rob's co-owner of Hype, which is based in Hobart, Tasmania, but travels around the country, filming and creating amazing content for tourism businesses. Um, So, Rob, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got involved in video. Well, I've been involved in video since high school, really. Uh, It became a a passion way back then, uh, which feels like a very long time ago now. Um, And from there, I started working freelance. Uh, and just getting experience. Um, and I was lucky enough to get a, uh, a job for a lifestyle production company in Queensland. And that's where I sort of started having a passion about working in the space of tourism and, you know, shooting around Gold Coast and Southern Queensland. It was quite an amazing opportunity. And from there, I got to be the creative director of that company, um, which was a really um, exciting experience at that time. So predominantly what I do is um, I direct uh, have the vision for the project, uh, do all the pre-production with the client in that aspect and seeing what their vision is for their story and how to best tell their story to their audience. So in that aspect, I'm also a cinematographer as well. So that basically means that I, I shoot all the content, I film all the content for those stories and capture that in the best stylistic approach for that story. Uh, so from there, I moved back to Tasmania And I actually went and studied. Uh, So I sort of went to university in order to work out for myself what it was that, how to best create concepts and where ideas come from. So So you've always been a creative person by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's always been a passion of mine. So uh, I studied at at UTAS at um, at Hunter Street, so uh, in a Bachelor of Visual Communication. And so it was from there I sort of formulated um, my sort of approach to projects and how to best create ideas because I fundamentally already had the skills to technically do things yep. but then to look at it from a, another angle and, and what um, sort of is the best approach. Um, so after graduating there, I then met my now business partner, Dave Flower, and we started Hype TV uh, back in 2013. Which is now just Hype. Which is now, yeah, which is now just Hype. And was Dave in tourism? So Dave's background, he's a producer, a producer and writer. So he comes from a, a very uh, long background in television, working for places like 
Channel 9 and his background in tourism was working on shows like Getaway, so traveling the world and creating content for lifestyle programming. And when we first started Hype, it was the sort of merge and beginning of the boom of tourism in Tasmania. We saw that opportunity yep. to get into a space where we already sort of had a background in tourism and being able to create stories in Tasmania, which was an absolutely fantastic opportunity. And we were very lucky to have one of our first clients who was Rob Pennicott and doing his new tour, The Seafood Seduction. And that's basically then where our tourism <laughs> tourism journey started in Tasmania. Fantastic. And you've done loads of tourism stuff yeah, since so, then. Yeah. So we work with clients like, uh, as I just said, Pennicott Wilner's Journeys, the Morrow Island Walk, Port Arthur Historic Site, We've done videos with the Federal Group, with Sapphire and so forth. Uh, we also work on the Tasmanian Tourism Awards mm-hmm. every year, which has been an excellent opportunity to work with the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania. And we were lucky enough as well at the beginning of this year to do the 2019 Australian Tourism Awards. Mm-hmm. Amazing opportunities. Mm. And I've worked with you lots of times with TICT and with the Bike Friendly Accreditation Program. So I'm dealing with you today as a host and as a client. So we've got lots to talk about. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I love video and I love, because uh, I work in marketing, where video can take um, the business with you know, on a journey with the client, with a potential customer, because it, it does way more than the written word can do and way more than a, than a still image can do. It combines them both and evokes an amazing emotional response as well as provides information. So video is is not going anywhere. Like we're going to see a lot more video. Video is already infiltrating our lives. Everywhere we turn, there's a moving image somewhere. Something's going That's on. That's right. So we're looking at Facebook. We have videos that play automatically. We you know, we, we, we get an email. There's already a link to a, a, a YouTube channel. Um, everything Everything's video. So as a tourism operator, it's it's super important to, to look at how we can tap into, into video. And for many tourism operators out there, it's also kind of scary and intimidating because – they get into tourism for whatever reason they have and this whole new technology of, of video can be quite scary. So um, I guess we're not going to be able to solve that scariness for them but let's at least talk about how we can create video and, and reinforce why they should at least look at it as an option uh, as lots of people have done over the years and successfully turned you know, prospective clients into actual clients simply by giving them a better idea about what they're going to receive when they come and travel in Tasmania. So... Tell me, in your words, why you think video is such a great medium to share, you know, the tourism experience. Yeah, sure. So you've heard the phrase probably content is king. Absolutely. And I suppose a lot of people don't actually realise where that that phrase was actually coined. Yeah. Tell me. So in 1996, it was actually Bill Gates who coined the phrase content is king with an essay that he wrote and then shared on the Microsoft website. And there was a couple of extracts from that that I was actually looking at um, that is so relevant today. It's like that future prediction that sometimes we get with, uh, you know, the brilliant minds of the world. And he said, content is where I expect much of the real money will be made on the internet, just as it was in television broadcasting. Internet is the multimedia equivalent of the photocopier. It allows material to be duplicated at a low cost, no matter the size of the audience. So that was 24 years ago, which wow. is pretty amazing yeah. to think that that goes back that far. And to think that was actually eight years before YouTube shared their first video online. So then you look at those stats now and yes. so YouTube, the total number of people on YouTube, 
It's 1.3 billion people. There's 300 hours of video going up every minute on And when you say going up, you mean uploaded by Uploaded by a user every minute. Yeah. And by 2025, it's, it's predicted that of half of the viewers under 32 will not pay for pay TV services. So everything is going to be shared on, on this, uh, on the internet. So. And things are changing so fast. That's right, yeah. Rob, what is it that makes a compelling video? It's, it's such a noisy, busy market out there. There's video being thrown at us left, right and centre. Mm. How does mine get seen? There's a few things and there's a few things that we work to. And the first and foremost thing is having to tell a story. You can put your product out there, but unless there's a story behind it and it's authentic and it's real, it's not going to resonate with your audience. Yeah, um, sure. Gritty and real is what, resonates with customers and that's what we try to approach is that it's those background stories to someone that is interesting it's something that someone can connect with so you're talking stories stories is so relevant these days everyone wants to hear the story there's a lot of people out there who run tourism businesses who are very shy and camera shy don't mm-hmm. want to be the story and get you know get nervous and stress about it does, the story doesn't have to be about that person. It can be about the business. They don't have to be in front of the camera. They shouldn't, you know, be too That's worried right. about it that. That's right. It can be a history of the business. It can be a story about the place. It can be a story about an, a, a guide of the experience. It can be a story from the customer's experience. Yeah. It necessarily doesn't have to be the owner talking on camera. Um, and there's ways to do that. You can have actors um explaining something. You can uh, use a voiceover. So there's many elements to be able to tell a story. It could be just visual. Uh, There's like 85% of videos on Facebook are watched without sound. True. That's a very important point because we're going to talk in a minute about the all-encompassing, you know, the big production, which is all sorts of things. But often people are watching these videos without hearing anything. And if there was some voiceover, they might be reading subtitles as well. That's right. That's right. So there's, yeah, as you said, using subtitles. So using text can be a way to tell a story as well. So there's many ways that you can look in the creative process on how to tell a story that's going to best resonate with your audience. But there's other ways as well that makes a compelling video. Okay. Um, My big thing would be uh, keeping it short and keeping it relevant. So if there is audio keeping it relevant to what is actually part of the story and not necessarily having to be literal about the audio and the visual. So you can have visual describing the actual scene with a voiceover depicting something else about the business. So that also can make it engaging in that aspect. Another big thing I think as well is creating anticipation. Yep. So it's necessarily teasing out your product in a way. So so creating a series of videos that will then get people coming back to your site or back to your social media. So every week you could be launching something new that's telling an, a small part of your business that then forms the overall vision and the overall story of what your tourism experience is. So make, that makes them want to come back and what happened next to these? That's maybe right. It's a, maybe it's a person's journey or maybe there's more to the story that you want to hear about. Exactly. Well, there was a series that we launched a few years ago with the TICT and then that was um, Tourism, It's a Team Effort. Yeah. And that was a series of micro stories about people in tourism and the people behind the scenes. And that did really well uh, being on television and online. And it was that sort of aspect where you're getting the small parts of the story that create the bigger picture of what happens behind the scenes. So when we're looking at creating a video, um, there's a lot of preparation that goes into doing that before you even 
do the shoot, let alone publish anything. So can we talk about preparation and getting ready to even shoot a video? Because I imagine before you've even met with the client, they've had to do a lot more work, a lot of work. So can you tell me what advice you would give a potential client, what they need to consider before they even talk to you? Mm, sure. Well, I guess the, the biggest and foremost thing is knowing what you want your video to achieve. Yeah. And also who is your audience that you want to tell that to? So that will dictate uh, basically where your video is going to be broadcast. Is it going to be on television? Is it going to be on social media? But then if it's going to be on social media, where is your audience on social media? Is it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? How are you going to resonate best with them? And then that will then also dictate on how the creative sort of parts of the story will fit together with that that actual platform. And do people um, contract you to create content just for social? We create content for all types of platforms. Uh, it can just be for social, it can be for television, or it can be across a, a whole campaign. So we can um, do all elements. We can do um, video billboards, for example, um, social media platforms, uh, television advertising, um, a big thing as well that we're doing at the moment is we're doing a lot of um, like on-demand advertising. So YouTube placement ads, um, platforms like SBS On Demand. And, the, and what's great about them is that the client or our clients or the operators can then track how those videos are going. So the analytics is just fantastic compared with, um, with television uh, where you only get a feedback based on how many people were viewing a show, yeah. you can go down to the analytics of being able to see the age of someone that was watching it or geolocate exactly where they were. So you can really target your video and and use the creative in a way that's going to really resonate with that audience. So let's um, talk more about prep, preparation for the client. So if I knew I had to do video, I run a tourism business, I'm told left, right and centre I've got to create video content I'm now going, now what do I do? What's, what do I do now? Do I go and talk to you guys straight away and we work together to, to create a story? Uh, or a, Yeah, well, I think there's a, couple, there's a couple of steps just before you talk to us, I think. I think knowing um, what sort of style of film would work for your business, just seeing what your competitors are yeah, doing is I a really good thing. Doing some research would yeah, be Yeah, I think I so. Research. And then and knowing what you actually like. Yeah is a big thing because there's so many different ways you can do it. And it just narrows down that conversation when we first consult with you as well. But it also gives you an idea of what you don't like. Yeah. And that's equally as important. If you don't know exactly what you like, at least determine what you don't like. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think as well, having the idea of how much you want to spend on a film is really good um, before you're contacting us as well, because it can really dictate on what sort of level of creative that you want to do, but then it will also change the whole way that we approach the production yeah, totally. side of things as well. And if you are a bit nervous about price, I maybe recommend as a tourism operator going and talking to another tourism operator who's had some video made. And That's right, and, and it doesn't it doesn't cost the world to get a video made. It You can do anything on a budget. Yeah but it just changes the way that you look at it creatively. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah. Know, know, your, you know sort of your budget, know your story, know your target market, know where you think you want to publish it, timeframes as well. Yeah, timeframes is a very important thing. I think the, the more time you have, the better. Um, if you know that you do have to make a video by June, 
don't, don't leave, start making don't, it don't in May. Start, don't, <laughs> well, you can, but it just it just makes it um, a bit rushed. So if yeah. thing things can happen, weather can be a big part of things and seasonality as well. If your product is a product that you're launching in spring. It makes sense to have the shots looking like it's spring. It's a really good point, actually, because I know so often people think six months ahead instead of twelve months ahead, because they it comes autumn time and they go, oh, I need to do a video that looks spring-like, and it's suddenly snowing or the leaves are falling off the trees, and they're shooting in autumn, trying to pretend that it's spring. Yeah, that's right. Then it just changes your locations drastically, and sometimes then you can have to film. on, on the other side of the state to get the shots that you want, whereas yeah. you could basically get it locally. So. And ideally tourism is a very visual field and a lot of outdoors shots need to be taken into consideration. So you've got weather to consider as well. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes we've waited months yeah, for the right, right weather patterns in order to get shoots. Um, and and it's those aspects. If, if, if you're going to be spending money, you want to get it right and you want that footage to then be able to be used for years to come as well. So Yeah, it must be hard for like adventure companies, like I can picture kayakers out there paddling amongst dolphins. You can't set that stuff up. So, you know, we've booked the video guy for a day and the weather's overcast and there's there's nothing to be seen. What happens then? Oh, I wish I had a remote control to uh, be able to <laughs> control the dolphins. Uh, sometimes <laughs> they do come to play, but uh, that sometimes the, the best things you get just happen. We're not planned. They're not planned. Yeah. And... And, and that's the thing is that you've got to come with the expectation that things will change as well. A storyboard is there as a guide, but sometimes you get better stuff than the storyboard. So It's yeah, true, yeah. keeping an open mind. But a storyboard is an excellent segue into the next question because I think storyboards, you can create your own going into this conversation with you guys uh, with a very clear idea. But if you don't have a clear idea, maybe, you know, between you and Dave and the client, you can come up with a great storyboard together. Is that how Yeah, that's it works? right. So um, people come to us at various stages in their own pre-production phases. They can come to us with no briefs or we can uh, create a briefing consultation with them. That's sometimes a good thing if everyone's got an open mind and then it's a bit more collaborative in that aspect. If you've already come with those ideas of what you like and don't like, then we can sort of formulate that conversation on what's going to work with your style guide of your business, if you have a style guide mm-hmm. or a creative vision, um, and then we can work to that together to, to get the, the best product for you. So I know that as a client I've had conversations with you guys and you'll ask questions like, so what's it for? How long How long do you want it to be? Who's going to be in it? It's like, oh, I haven't thought of all those questions. So hopefully the listeners who are contemplating doing video um, have at least a chance to think about these things. So one of those things I just mentioned is who's going to be in the video. So let's talk about talent mm-hmm. um, because tourism, you're trying to create emotions about experiences and, and you don't always need people to do that, but let's say you want people to do that. Mm-hmm we need to consider whether we're going to pay somebody to be in our production or whether it's going to be yourself or your family or your friends down the street. Like there's a really pretty big conversation to be had around who is going to make the best people to be in your video. That's right. Um, so there's there's various ways you, that you can look at it. I think it's the style of video that's going to really dictate yep. if it's going to be pay talent or if it's going to be yourself or using people within the business or family and friends and so forth. But I think if any acting is involved or you're wanting a particular uh, age or demographic or appearance um, in your um, videos, that it's best to use paid talent. Yeah, yeah, or at least 
find talent that suits. I know I've seen videos made, not by you guys, but videos made or still shots even where you know that the target market for the business is one type of person, but in the video they've used, which are obviously friends or family, and they're completely not the look that you'd expect. Well, that's right. If you're going to the effort of having the entire crew there, you might as well put that next step to reflect exactly what it is that you're wanting your business to be showcased as. So if you want people in your video, then you've got to go down the path of, do I need to pay an actor? Are they speaking? Are they acting in a role or are they just background? Well, that's right. So there's, um, of course, you can use like families and friends and employees, but if you're, um, if you're, for example, if you're um, if you have a restaurant that you're wanting to showcase, you could film that in a time period where the restaurant's actually busy. So you could have your pay talent in the foreground that you can tell what to do that if they're acting out a scene or if they're um, modelling in the scene, and then you've got a full restaurant at the time that you want it to be to reflect. So if it's a dinner scene, it's actually at night. You have people in the background, so it looks busy. Uh, in all your wide shots, you can film the other shots in another period of time when there's no other people in the restaurant, but it then automatically reflects that you've got a busy place yes, of business. Yes, of course. Yeah, and so. that would be something you'd want to be showcasing. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're selling an exclusive two-person only in the whole restaurant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which can look a bit weird. So, Rob, once I come and speak to you and we together or you guys come up with a brief, what happens next? Great. So um, basically once we've done the pre-production there, we've got locations, um, we've organised talent, organised who's going to be in the film. We assess and we need any permits, if it's going to be filmed in a national park. Ah, good point, yes. If we're using a drone, um, sometimes we need uh, special requirements as well. So generally a shoot day is um, rigorously scheduled. Um, so we give out uh, what's called a call sheet. So we'll have times of when people have to be where. We arrive on set. Generally, your crew would consist of a producer, a director of photography, who's the cinematographer, uh, a sound recorder. If audio gets complex, when we need multiple talent or um, multiple speaking parts in various scenes. And then there's a post-production person at the end um, of the process. So uh, all those people that are involved... The audio guy, so you're only going to need an audio guy if there's a speaking part. If there's a voiceover, you could do that in a studio somewhere, couldn't you? So you could just Yeah, send so a video. you can either do voiceovers on location if, if you've got a really tight schedule or if it suits the style of film, if it needs to sound like it's in a landscape. But predominantly voiceovers are done in studio after depending on the type of production. And so as the business owner, would, it, would you expect me to be around the whole time uh, Not necessarily. So I can just let you go off and you you know the brief, just let me yeah, know when you great. want lunch. Uh, it varies on production to yeah. production. If you want to be hands-on and on location and, and you know being part of the vision and seeing the process unfold, you're definitely most welcome to be on set with the crew and see the experience unfold during the day. So, Or on vice versa, um, we can just run the whole production and then bring you back in once um, we start going into post-production as well. So pre-production is all about getting ready, getting the brief done, getting the permits organised, getting the crew ready to go, setting the date, seeing you there. Production? So production is from when we turn up the first day of the shoot through to when the last shot is shot. Yep, then that could take half a day, it could take weeks. Well, Depends yeah. on what you're doing. Yeah, that's it. So um, it, it could be as simple as an interview on location and getting overlay of the business. Um, to having um, multiple talent over various locations, over various scenes to create a story. 
And then you've got post-production, which is the editing, slicing, yeah. dicing, making it all work. So post-production will start as soon as the footage or the rushes come into the studio and then the post-production editor, they'll bring all the files in and start editing to a script. Or if it's an interview, um, we'll get those transcribes and then they'll come back and we'll do what's called a paper edit. And so all the grabs will be selected that tell the story on a paper version and then we can send that off to the client where they can sort of revise what they have said or what is said in, in the script and they can then have any feedback before we actually start editing, which is a great process to be able to do when it's not scripted. So before we actually start any editing and the editing time starts, you have basically the ability to edit on paper. So you edit then, then you guys do the first draft and you can potentially edit again if needed. Yeah, so the great thing with the service that we provide is it's all online as well. So if the client wanted to, they could come into the studio, but they'll actually receive a first draft via a link and then they'll actually, they're able to then comment on that video live on screen in their web browser without even having to write an email back to us. Mm. That service will then come straight in, back into our edit suite and our editor will get all the notes in their actual software so they can perform any changes without actually having to come into the studio. Uh, so when the crew, whoever it is, comes up to do the shoot, can we use that whole, let's say it takes a day, can we turn that into various small segments as well as a big production? Most definitely. So if we're grabbing different stories from different aspects of a business, we can create those into multiple smaller edits. So we could create a series based of uh, five 30-seconders or five 15-seconders which then can go out to different social channels. Uh, and the great thing is when you're shooting that footage on location, it can then all almost um, come together as a library. So it's something that you can always go back to. So the next shoot that comes along, you can add to that library and then you've already got that existing overlay which tells your story and we can add to that and then create more content moving forward. So you're instantly always banking on existing content. So overlay, what do you mean by overlay? I might be right but I've, when I've done some filming and one of the videographers called it shooting the pretties. The pretty scenes? Is that the, a term you would use? The film industry has so many jargon <laughs> words that it could confuse most people. Uh, overlay is essentially footage that supports the story. So it's the wide shots of your business or it's shots of boats going through the water or it's shots of sheep on a farm. So that can be shot any time though. That doesn't have to be shot during this shoot, does it? That's so right. So it might be that someone else has shot that or it's been shot at a different time and you want to... Yeah, that's right. So um, there's been many times where there's been previous footage that's come to us and we're shooting extra footage to support a new story of a narrative. So uh, a business could come to us and say, uh, we're launching a, a new experience um, in the next six weeks. We've got all this existing footage that someone has previously shot, but now we want to create a new story. So we can grab that existing footage, shoot some interviews for the new experience and use the existing overlay to then tell the story. So effectively we're not going out and having to reshoot everything. Mm -hmm. It can save money by doing it. And that, sort of is, is that existing footage, is that called the B-roll or am I on it? So that's another oh, lovely gosh. jargon term for you. <laughs> so overlay, B-roll, pretty. Are they the same thing? It's all the same oh. thing. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's just like tourism. <laughs> so... Let's say it's an existing business that's been around for a while. They've done some video shooting. They've got their B-roll or their overlay, the, you know, their roll of film um, from various shoots. And these days drone is a huge 
uh, new concept to add and you can certainly make something look more modern when you throw some drone footage in there. So p- potentially people could just hire you or somebody else to to take some drone footage and then you could then post-produce that into a whole new, a yeah, whole, whole new thing. Yeah, most definitely. So drones are fantastic tool that's come into the industry over the last uh, five years. The great thing about it is it makes aerial photography so much more affordable. Looking back to when it was $3,500 an hour for a helicopter, um, you could have a drone on location um, now for a whole day. So it's it's fantastic. And the, the great aspect of aerial photography is that you're able to give that perspective of um, establishing scenes and looking like it's got a massive budget. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. A drone, a drone insert, even just a few seconds, changes your whole perspective. Oh, that's right. So, um, gone on the day of having to bring in a thirty-foot crane at the front <laughs> of a property to showcase a, a hotel or um, to get a, a lovely establishing shot, you can get that in 15, 20 seconds now. So, Fantastic. so what what would take a crew of fifteen people? can do with a single person. So once upon a time you would see fairly cheaply made videos where there'd be a few still images combined with maybe a small bit of video and that's that's their promotional video. Nowadays you get some drone thrown in with some other footage, the B-roll that you've got, and you make this amazing production. Do you, do you still use still images in video? Still images can successfully be put into video but what you want to avoid is simply creating a slideshow. Yeah, because you can you can do that fairly cheaply and yeah. So well, the big so thing with inserting still images, if you don't do them with sort of a dynamic motion, they tend to um, stagnate a video and slow down the pace. So, um, what I suggest is that if you're wanting to add sort of like a historical element or context, still images really have a place then. Or if you're wanting to create banners for advertising, they sort of have that element there where you can make them dynamic with text. A lot of content now, as we've been discussing, it it needs to be moving, it needs to get someone's eyes fixed on there because you lose someone within the first three seconds. So that first three seconds, how do we make sure we've got the most impact in that first three seconds? Create amazing intros. You've, you've, you've got to have your best shot leading forward. Yeah, right. Don't save it to the end because you may lose Don't save it to the end. No one's going to see it. You clicked off by then yeah. and I've missed it. And, and that's a big thing about duration and time uh, with videos. It was about five years ago that you were looking at three minutes through video and that's already halved down to 90 seconds. Yeah, I made the mistake once of creating a, a video and we wanted to really evoke a sense of drama and the first ten, seven to ten seconds was this really long shot uh, uh, that was trying to establish this dark and moody scene. And then we put it on Facebook and we found the insights were like, we lost everybody. <laughs> they just went, this is boring and off. So they didn't get to the beautiful big scenes that we were leading them to in this mm. big dramatic production. We'd lost them because we didn't take that first three seconds and into consideration. Those shots have their place. It all goes back to what is your video trying to achieve? If if that's going out to a specific audience that are in, that you're intending them to watch the whole video, so there's definitely a place for for longer shots and, and establishing in a video. And I think that's for an audience that you already have. If you're looking to engage with new customers, you need to be um, leaning with your best foot forward, having a really punchy intro, and getting your most dynamic content at the front. Because what you want is essentially them to click on that video and either hear the audio straight away, 
or that your video needs to be able to tell a story without audio. So it's almost counterintuitive because you you, you generally would think you'd save your best content like for the middle or the end so that people watch the whole thing. But that's those days have gone. People have got such short attention spans now that you've got <laughs> three to five seconds to, for them to go, oh, this is interesting. I need to keep watching. And, exactly and likely right. you've got no audio either. That's right. So all your tools of being big, loud, noisy ads like on television, they've been taken away from you. So you have to lead with, you know, your best shots forward. And also uh, a lot of people are doing more uh, text overlays these days. So you could you could potentially could, you know, in your brief talk about text overlays yeah, that's right. So there's um, there's there's many there's many ways to do text overlays. A, a lot of the content that we're creating is using like SRT files. So that's essentially uh, transcripts of your video that people can click subtitles on. So yeah, there's two different things here, isn't there? There's subtitles mm. which you can do, and some of these video platforms offer that as a service if you provide them with the video content. But you can also do fancy stuff where you've got some really high quality overlays going on as well. Yeah, that's right. So there's many creative ways to be able to use text and video. So there's things like kinetic typography. Where, Ooh, sounds yeah, fancy. It does sound fancy. <laughs> uh, where text can bounce around the screen and interact off each other. There's simple text overlays you can do uh, by just creating uh, single word, uh, basically tension grabbing sort of text. Uh, but it comes down to that, again, uh, what is it that you are wanting to tell your audience and how does it best represent your business. Exactly. So you, you need to tell that story. Mm. So whether you've got three, five, ten seconds to ten minutes, you've, you've, you've got to know what you're trying to do here. Exactly. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is um, tap, making the most of this shoot. Like you've paid for talent. You've booked the good weather <laughs> with the weather gods. You've, you've booked the boat. Whatever that you've done, it's all planned around these certain dates and you've got the crew coming up. Can you successfully combine a photographer as well as a film crew? And still get the best out of it. Yeah, you can. You can. And um, I, I work together with a photographer on many location shoots and we work really well together as a team. I, I think in, in that um, aspect you need to work with um, a, a team that works together quite regularly because if you're trying to do the same shot at the same time, you've got to be you're mindful. treading on toes, right? Yeah, you're treading on toes. <laughs> Literally be, and figuratively. Yeah, so you've got to be really mindful of that. So there's many aspects that you have to um, look at because a photographer's lighting is completely different to um, a person in film's lighting. Um, it can really slow the process up too. Oh, most definitely. And sometimes for budget, budget reasons, it's, it can be better to have them on separate days. Yeah. So for budget reasons, if you can afford to do it separately, fine. Mm. But sometimes you also want to, you want your stills to reflect the story you're telling in your video. So you mm. almost have to yeah, that's right. have them shot on and the same there's day. And there's, 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 there's many ways you can do it as well. You can either have a photographer or the, um, the person shooting can possibly take stills as well. But again, that will slow it down yeah, it because will. the person's got to put down the camera, yeah. pick up the stills camera. So that's there's many elements that you have to weigh up there yep. of what's the best option. But if you're looking at experiences that only happen once, yeah. And you've got to do it that yeah. way. you just got to be mindful that you've got to compromise one of those things. Yes, yes, of course. So when you see really successful, you know, amazing tourism videos, often they're in the most beautiful locations. It just kind of just seems so effortless. So as a tourism operator who's the client, do I need to go out and suss all those locations out and spend all this time preparing for that or do, does the videographer do that? Who, who does that job? 
no. So um, basically that's part of the pre-production brief. So depending on what is part of um, the actual story, um, if it's part of your business, part of your locations, then obviously you would know them inside out. But if it's trying to replicate something else, um, that's part of the location scouting where the producer and the creative team will go out and find those locations that's going to best represent the story. So you're local, you're locally based, so you know the state. It would be fairly easy for you to do that. We often hear of you know, video teams coming down from the mainland, um, but they don't know the state. So yeah. it must take a lot longer for a, a piece of video to be created if they don't know where they're going or what to look for. Yeah. Someone I, has to be with them. I think I think our van's up to 86,000 Ks in the last six years. So we've been around the state a few times now. So, But, but that's, um, that's a really good point is that being local is that we know these locations really well and also that we know the insider tricks onto what will best work as a location logistically as well, which I think is important. Like one thing is it, it can be a really beautiful location but the second thing is that the access could be horrible. Yep. So it could take you half a day to get there. Whereas if you could go somewhere else, it's really easy access. You can drive straight up to it. You can get lots of crew Excellent. in yeah. there. Yeah, because you've got heavy stuff. You need mm. to be able to drive right to the location. That's and if right. Not, you've but, got to carry it all in. Yeah, and, but it's also looking at from the aspect of a client is that you're saving them money by Everything getting time. them locations in a relatively – um, small area. So rather than driving an hour in, setting up, doing it, driving another hour out, you could actually choose a different location if you had the local knowledge. That's right. And save that two hour. And and that's where um, sort of looking at it from a cinematic perspective is important as well because it will look different in the camera as opposed to when you're looking at it as a whole picture as well, uh, as, as in walking into a location. So the shot you might be getting might only be just a person in the actual forest and a KFC could be across the road. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yes, that's not the look we're going for. So I guess in terms of uh, a tourism operator, a business, a potential client looking to select a video team crew to to work with, mm. you can look offshore, you can look interstate, you can look locally, but what are the things that you would suggest they look for when p- picking the right team to work with? I think first and foremost um, looking for, I, I guess, making sure the person has a showreel. So seeing what their past work is and then if their their footage um, and, and showreel reflects what you want your business to look like. A lot of people can change their style of shots to, to match something else, but if you're looking for something to look in a specific way and then knowing that they're going to be able to produce that yeah. for you, yeah. that's, a, that's a really big thing. So price doesn't always reflect quality Absolutely. as well. So you could be thinking you're saving money by picking someone who's quoted you on some really low price but without actually providing you with any evidence to suggest that they're going to do a great job. That's then you right. might as well just throw the money out the window because yeah. you won't be happy with the end result. So when we're considering what we're shooting and what we're shooting it for, does it change the way we go about things if we are just shooting for Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or we're talking about a, a television commercial? Do, do you shoot differently? Do you think differently? Oh, most definitely. I think if you're shooting for somewhere like Instagram or, or Facebook, you could um, content is now viewed vertically, yeah, so as opposed to horizontally. So which that, is, does that mean a different camera? You hold like how does that work? No, it doesn't mean a different camera. It just means that you have to actually frame 
the content differently. So um, in, instead of using what we call in the industry a rule of thirds where you'd have everyone um, left or right of the frame, you would then have to frame everything centre. So then that would then change whether or not if you're putting this as part of a whole brand campaign, if you if it's going to television, if you want everything centred on television or would you have to shoot it twice? So there's many aspects then that you have to look at. And what you want to be doing is is shooting it in a way that's going to best be viewed on the device that it's being intended for. So if I've got a bunch of B-roll um, and I give it to you and I want you to use it for a television commercial and it's not the right format, you just say, sorry, can't use it? Or would you be able to use it? I would advise you not to use it. Yeah, right. If it doesn't work. Should I, what should we always try to shoot for? What if we're not entirely sure what we're, like if, we, if we're shooting for a TVC, for a television commercial, mm-hmm. and then later on we, we want to create some so, some online social media content. Mm-hmm. Can we still do that? Yeah, most definitely. Footage can be manipulated in, in different ways and, and using different methods to, to make it vertical if it wasn't shot for vertical. Um, we can reposition um, video in, in, in various ways. We can add graphical elements to fill it out. So there's different styles and creative ways in order to make that happen. So we don't have to go back and reshoot the whole thing. No. But you, you have clever technology to make things happen. Yeah. And that's the great thing about being creative is, uh, is that it, it doesn't have to be by the book. Okay. Rob Harrison from Hype. Thank you so much for coming in to chat today. Thanks so much, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed today's show, please tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen to. You can find more of our podcasts on the TICT website or on your favourite podcast services. Thanks for listening. See you in a fortnight. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. Talking Tourism.